Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Belt Podcast. With me, as always, is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Dusty, what episode is this? How many have we done? A lot. We're at season two, episode 14. That, that's a lot of episodes. You'd think we'd be more famous by now. You are. I mean, hell, you got promoted to athletic director, president, supreme Listen, leader of hey, Arkansas State. Listen, that hasn't gone through yet. You know, I, I submit my application. There's a lot of ground root support for that. But, hey, let's just be patient. Let's not jump the gun on that, Tibbs. We haven't made it to ex- the infamous pending board approval. It's pending board approval. And, yes, I have purchased, like, nine or ten brand new suits in anticipation of accepting the job. But I'm not, I'm not counting on getting this job. So, just so you know, that... Uh, even though I have gone ahead and sold my house in Little Rock and have been looking for properties in Jonesboro, that does not mean that I have accepted this job yet. So, and the job would be chancellor slash athletic director of Arkansas State University. So with that said, if you were to land that job, what yeah. are you doing first day? Well, probably the first day I'd... Uh, you know, I'd probably go out to lunch. I think there's like an Arby's nearby. I'd go to Arby's. And uh, and then, you know, I'd probably uh, watch a little TV. And, uh, you know, I'd probably like just hang out in the athletic director's suite at the football stadium because it's really nice. Even with no game going on, you'll just hang out. Yeah. In fact, I might even make my office there. You know, to say I'm working, but I'm really just troll, uh, uh, scrolling through Twitter. And, uh, you know, if like some boosters wanted to talk to me, I would probably have a staff that could go handle that because I don't like talking to people. And um, yeah, so that would probably be day one. As far as day two, I don't know. You know, I, I fly by the seat of my pants, Tibbs. I don't have what you would call plans or a vision or an idea of how to run the program. You know what, what you're getting with Jeremy Harper is not like, like bold strategies. What you're getting is the brand name, Jeremy Harper. And that's really all we need. So you would not be able to claim success like Arkansas state baseball has had here over the past two weeks, actually getting into the win column. That would not be due to Jeremy Harper extraordinaire leader of the Red Wolves. After 12 consecutive conference losses, Arkansas State has put together two consecutive conference series wins, both against Trojans, UALR and Troy. Looking like competent baseball players these recent weeks did get their butts kicked pretty hard 
against the University of Arkansas, which I think is ranked number two at the moment. But that's okay. You know, that's all right. We, we can handle that. We've got, we've got some wins. We're pulling ourselves out of the basement. Yeah, I mean, their, their recent success, they're tied for eighth place right now, which would be the last team in for the Sunbelt Conference tournament in Montgomery. There seems to be, Tibbs, a sort of race to see who doesn't want that last spot. You got UTA. I know Appalachian State sort of picked it up a little bit after after some horrendous times, but it's Appalachian State, Arkansas State, and UTA are really. And I tell you what, Little Rock—they're trying their darndest to be that that be down there at the bottom too. So it's almost like you, you would look at like the top of the standings and say, "Oh, there's a race going on. We should be paying attention." Pay attention to that bottom part, Dusty Thibodeau. That's where the excitement is. I thought it was exciting this past weekend, Texas State able to pick up their second consecutive sweep, beating UTA last weekend, Little Rock this weekend. Saturday, they put up 30. 30 (laughs) points. I read a post on the Twitter where I get all my information that the Bobcats football team hasn't hasn't won by 24 points, which is what they ended up winning that game by 24 runs they hadn't put up a 24 point win over a football team in 10 years <laughs> in baseball putting up 30 runs winning by 24 runs that's incredible so are you saying that steve trout needs to pull double duty baseball and football coach you know i i don't nothing against jake spavital but he has a new benchmark to clear and that's to beat a team by 24 points or more so, I'm calling it now. He has Houston Baptist on the schedule. They'll win by a hundred. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, that's a good that's that's a good goal to have. And you know what? Nobody knows Texas State Bobcats football better than you. It does feel that way that I've I've uh, morphed into becoming the the town crier for the the good old Bobcats. Yeah, you 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 have become the the biggest advocate. For Bobcat football, Bobcats baseball, Bobcats basketball, and maybe volleyball too, as far as I know. Eh, maybe softball. Okay. There's a possibility that there could be some Bobcat softball coming up. Huge series coming up this weekend at San Marcos as they are still trying to make some more noise. Winners of nine straight. They get to host. Yes. Troy this weekend <laughs> where they're sitting tied right now uh, for third place in the Sunbelt Conference standings. Only two more weekends before they invade Mobile for the conference tournament. No kidding. Yeah, see, I wish, Thibodeau, that I was more connected with the softball community. But as you may know, and you may not know this, but Arkansas State does not have a softball program. And it's made it very hard for me to really pay attention to the softball. Sometimes you just have to adapt and overcome. Well, you know, if I were a true citizen of the Sunbelt, I would put aside my, my lack of all modern softball credentials and just be all in on whatever's happening in the softball. Because I actually do love watching women's softball. I think it's one of the most entertaining sports to watch in the college universe of sports 
And that's why it just bums me so hard that we just don't have that program yet. Rumors are sub circulating that we're going to get it, but who knows? Is that actually something on the horizon or once you become athletic director? Uh, you know what? Okay. Tibbs, this, this has been on the horizon for about 10 years. Every year, the athletic director comes out and says, yes, yes, we've got a plan in place. It's, it's all coming to fruition. And it doesn't happen. But you know what? Once I become athletic director slash chancellor of Arkansas State University, I will put that near the top, almost at the top of the totem pole of priorities for Arkansas State. The first being moving my office into the football stadium to have that commanding view of the stadium. And or then, you could just of course, like me and, and, and adopt a team. You Excuse know. me? Maybe you could adopt a team. You know, ULM needs some love, Southern Miss. Yeah, how about, how about, how about the Bobcats? That's my team. Why are you trying to take my team? I need, I need like a, a softball daddy to guide me into this softball community. Somebody who can show me the rope, show me how softball in the Sun Belt is proper, how, what that community is like, because I've been shut out for so long. It's like, I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to talk softball. Tell me who's the best softball team in the Sun Belt. Your Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajun sitting right now 17 and 4 in conference 34 and 11 overall. Hmm. If now, they are not dancing and headed to Oklahoma City this year, it is definitely going to be a huge letdown. Hmm. You think that could possibly happen that 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 Louisiana could be shut out from that? No, I, I think they have a Here's very good chance of Oklahoma City. I think the team that still has some some work to do, though, the Raging Cages on the baseball side, they've yeah. moved up into third place. And, and there were some Twitter interactions this past week of people thinking that, uh, you know, the Sun Belt could have four teams in, the <laughs> Texas State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and the Raging Cajuns. Yeah. I think the Raging Cajuns have to have a strong showing, though, in Montgomery and probably even win the tournament to be able to go into the postseason. The one I thought that was the most interesting, though, was Georgia Southern coming out on the D1 baseball side, showing that they were going to be hosting an NCAA regional. That's some pretty big names with Auburn, Samford, and Walford all making the trip down to Statesboro. I did not believe in Georgia Southern at the beginning of the season. No you one know, did. Yeah, I, it was just kind of a surprise. But <clears throat> you know what? They closed a lot of escrow. In fact, if I don't get me wrong, I, I could be wrong. But did they not just sweep South Alabama this year? I think this weekend they have finally completed the sweep over South Alabama, who is projected to be a top Sun Belt team this year, and they have fallen short. Two straight sweeps there, beating Georgia State and South Alabama this past weekend. It's crazy. And, and, and Texas State going to the regional, if those projections hold true, the winner of that regional – that they project in to go to Austin, play against UT, Southeastern Louisiana, and Dallas Baptist, they should just get a bye and go straight to Omaha. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That would be a, well, yeah, all right. Did you hear, by the way, that Dallas Baptist entering Conference USA? For baseball. Yeah. With no plans of joining football. So football, the premier sport, still, mm -hmm. good luck to you. I don't think they even have a football program. They do not have football. <laughs> it was just kind of an interesting thing. We're, we're just going to add 
Dallas Baptist to the uh, to the baseball roster. Which, by the way, Dallas Baptist always fields a good baseball team. Very you know, much. I don't know. I don't know what Dallas Baptist sees. You know, they are they're in a conference that always seems to get them into the postseason. Why move into the CUSA? Let me ask you this before before we get off track on the Sun Belt. You know, we we're talking about South Alabama not quite living up to expectations. Do you feel like the Chanticleers are kind of the same boat? Yes and no. I, I feel like that we have kind of come to expect the shots to be at the top of the standings regardless because of their one year before yeah. they even got into the Sunbelt Conference. Um, absolutely. I think they've done really well. I think that they have maybe underachieved a little bit, but mm-hmm. do I think that they are the team that is better than Texas State, better than Georgia Southern? No, I, I, I can't say that. Oh, absolutely they're not. But it seems to me that a team with those credentials, like the Chanticleers, and not only because they, they, they won the national championship one year, which to me seems like that would be the easiest way to get top talent to come to Conway, even though Conway is also in a very nice part of the United States, seems like a great place to play baseball. They also have the facilities. They put the money into baseball in Conway. I don't understand why they're not perpetually in the top of the Sunbelt standings. How is it that Texas State and Georgia Southern, for that matter, or Georgia State, for that matter, can come out with these good teams and then the Chanticleers are just kind of middling along? What am I missing here? What's going on with the Chants? Is it, here's what I've heard, Dusty. I, or here's the grumbling I hear that the Chants, before they came to the Sunbelt, we're not really challenged as a baseball program, being into the whatever conference they were in before. They come to the, 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 the SOCON that they were in was a, a tremendous baseball league. Hey, hey, Tibbs, don't start yelling at me. I'm just telling what the people on the street are telling me. Just because they live under a bridge doesn't mean they're the people of the street. <laughs> I am just saying, but all right, but I have I, that is something that I've heard that the the, the competition with the Sun Belt's a little bit stronger than where they come to the SoCon or whatever they came from. Do you think that there's any legitimacy to that, or is that just sort of like Sun Belt chest beating? No, I, I think the conference they were in was a great baseball conference. Was it a big name conference? No, but it it, it kind of goes back to the the old conversation that we always have where everyone focuses on football, the conference they were in was a FCS conference. So everyone assumed that they were subpar far from it. And, and, you know, I, I think that the shots have come in, they've held their own in the Sunbelt conference. They've really elevated the league as well, but I just don't think that they are the team this year. Let's talk a little, let's, let's shift gears a little bit, Tibbs. Do you want to shift gears with me? Uh, I never knew how to drive a stick. Really? Well, I can teach you. No, thanks. I like audio. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to figure it out. But Brian I can find it. Yeah. I was thinking about spring football. Have you heard any, any news filtering up from spring football from anywhere? I think the biggest thing that, that really came out of the spring from everything that I've heard is that Texas State, this might actually be the year where they have all of their transfers and 
elder statesmen playing together, and the Bobcats might be a contender. All right. Now, before you say that, one, we know that, Thibodeau, you're fast becoming the the number one spokesman for the Bobcats. So yeah. this is this is sort of the propaganda I can expect from you. The Bob, the Bobaganda. <laughs> we'll call it the Bobaganda. I'll enjoy that. And quite frankly, every team looks great in the spring, right? Arkansas State just had its its uh, spring game. Everybody's excited about what they saw because they think that it, they look great. Oh, the defense is better. The quarterbacks are sharp. The running backs are fast. Everything looks great. But you think from everything that you've seen, and you've got your fingers on the pulse of everything Sunbelt, you're the leading Sunbelt citizen. You believe that this could be, and I've said this a lot of years and have been proven wrong, but you think this could be the year of the Bobcat when it comes to Sunbelt football. Look, I think the, the Sunbelt West is wide open. <laughs> I, yeah. I think maybe Arkansas State and ULM are the only two teams that do not have a chance to contend in the West. Would mm. love to be wrong about that, but yeah. I just don't see it based on what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And what they've signed in the offseason coming in, I don't think that this is the year for either one of those teams. So that really only leaves the Bobcats. Southern Miss is not going to be competitive again this year. Troy and South Alabama. South what about Alabama, Louisiana? I, I don't think that the Cajuns <laughs> have the I, – I think they are the, the ultimate wild card. I, I think that it's all a matter of how much can DeZormo really rally the troops and hit on a quarterback and have Lamar uh, Morgan getting that defense back to the, the Cajun defense of old. But for me, in the, in the West, it's all about the Bobcats and what can Troy do. Mm, that would be interesting. That would make for an interesting season. And you know what? I'm not as down on the Warhawks as you are. And maybe you might be down on the Warhawks, Dusty, because the Warhawks break your heart every single year, except for in 2012. But for the most part, the Warhawks break your heart. And, and, And you're afraid. You're afraid, damn it. You're afraid to be heartbroken again. But I'm telling you, I think Bowden has something going on down in Monroe. The, the make or break for the Warhawks this season, which I, I think they're only a two or three win program. I think they're going to be a much better program, uh-huh. but I just don't think that they have the players in, in, in place to be able to win. They got to get some offensive linemen, even in the spring game, when you can notice that the offensive line is winded and just Ooh. not very deep. You don't see the big guys up front going in and out to the sidelines. That's a problem. You know where you win football games, Thibodeau? In the trenches. That's right, at the line of scrimmage. And yes, now that you've said that, now that you have mentioned winded offensive linemen, I am now less confident that the Warhawks are going to compete this year. You are a fair weather fan. <laughs> I just, you know what, I just accept the data as it rolls in. You know, and that was fresh data. I needed that. Thank you. I'm highly interested to see how the East plays because to me, there's, I think App State is, is hands down the favorite because they returned just about everybody from yeah. last year's team that fell just short uh, in the championship game there at Louisiana Lafayette. 
But beyond App State, anybody could really beat anybody in the East. And, and you, you could not tell me that there's going to be a team that's really a surprise because I think the expectations are is that everybody's going to beat everybody. I think I agree with you about Appalachian State because they seem to be that team that's a little pissed off. You know, they got kind of their wings clipped by Louisiana. They've sort of been upstaged in terms of, 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 of publicity by Coastal Carolina. I feel like Appalachian State, and I, supposedly we're going to talk to Sean Clark pretty soon, right? He is on the books. For He's on the books, and he can explain this to us. But they seem like a team, not maybe, I, I'm not going to say a team of destiny, because destiny doesn't seem to quite cover it for them. They seem more like a team with purpose. You know, they, they want to get back to where they are. And now they've got these up-and-comers. Marshall's coming in. Marshall's not going to be like, like some pushover team. Marshall's going to be an instant contender at least. So you got those guys coming in. You got Coastal with Grayson McCall coming back. Grayson McCall, maybe not the same type of, of tools that he's had in the past. Always maybe not the same Grayson McCall either after his shoulder surgery. Oh, who knows? It could be a stronger Grayson McCall. <laughs> like you're strong or, or, or what are we talking? Uh, oh, no, not Jeremy Strong. No, no, no. You know, the, the, uh, the miracles of modern day surgery, like Tommy John surgery, coming back and having even a better arm than before. I don't know if Grayson McCall can lead that team back. Uh, they do have a lot of moxie. But then you also got guys like Georgia State who just seem to improve incrementally every year. And then you have, who else do we got in there? Georgia Southern is a team that I, I don't think that they have an identity. And until they can find that identity, are they going to be the old school Eagles running the triple option? Or are they this new spread under Helton? Until they come up with their identity, they will not be successful regardless. See, to me, either Georgia Southern is going to be a surprise team in the West. No, I'm sorry, in the East. Or just completely crash and burn. Like, I'm talking about zero wins on the season. Like, Helton comes in there, has this new vision for Georgia Southern. They don't have any other personnel to execute it. It's just going to be ugly and gr gross. And Helton is going to have to survive that first year of trying to get that fan base to accept, we're rebuilding this program. You're just going to have to ride with me until we get my people in place. Either that, or Hilton's such a genius that he has managed to bring in some guys that, 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 that can not only execute his vision, but also get the rest of the team to execute the vision. So I, that's how I feel about Georgia Southern. And as far as JMU, James Madison, I have zero idea what they will contribute to the conference this year. History shows that the new teams coming in yep. will dominate. If you look at every time the Sun Belt has added a team, they have absolutely destroyed the competition. You mean like Georgia State? And Georgia Southern? Well, Georgia State didn't. <laughs> Georgia State failed at the beginning. But uh... I, I, I really feel that James Madison is going to have some growing pains. Uh -huh. But I think that they will be competitive in the games. I think they, yeah, it was unfair for me to mention Georgia State because Georgia State had only been recently even playing football. So the, even the idea of football was fairly new to Georgia State when they 
somehow ended up in the Sun Belt, which is, by the way, Georgia State's been a great addition to the Sun Belt, but it was a strange addition at the time. JMU is more of a traditional coming of age program with history on their side. They've done very well at FCS, kind of like Appalachian State and Georgia Southern did great in FCS. Will they have the size to compete with modern Sun Belt football? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they will this year, but I, I definitely yeah. think the pieces are in place. Interesting, though, looking back, though, at Georgia Southern's schedule, James Madison might be their first game that they could legitimately have a chance to win. I'd say that they, they open with Morgan State, so their first conference win might not come until James Madison. Mm-hmm. Could be an interesting early. Is, are they playing a second week Sunbelt game? No, they, okay. they have Morgan State at Nebraska, at UAB, Ball State, at Coastal, at Georgia State, home against James Madison. Okay, I see what you're saying there. Ouch. Yeah. That's going to be rough for Georgia Southern. That's going to be rough. So it doesn't really matter who wins or loses, though, Jeremy. It's all about the rules. you got to play by the rules. That's true. You know what? Without rules, you just have a complete breakdown in society. And that's why you, as athletic director of Arkansas State, have implemented new football rules coming to the NCAA in 2022. The biggest one, targeting. Targeting. Yes. The conferences will be able to do an appeal to the NCAA. So you may not be out the first half of that next week's game if you get targeting the second half of this week's game. Ah. You know, it seems to me that the NCAA heard all the complaints about targeting, how nobody seemed to understand what's targeting and what's not. And they decided not to solve that problem at all. And just came up with, well, we're going to do another rule change. We're going to do this. This You can appeal. a And this only affects you if you get the targeting in the second half of a game, right? You can't appeal like if you get targeted hit in the first you get you're still out in the second half right correct there is no in-game appeal so it's it's really meant to solve that second half and missing next week's game right but it still doesn't solve the what is targeting why can't i just hit this guy like i have if i'm not lowering my head and launching i can't help it that i accidentally hit him in the head yeah, you know what? All year we've seen we the, the debate has been about targeting. Quite frankly, I agree. Targeting is something that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't lead with that. But there are often times I've seen players too look like they're deliberately leading with the head. I think part of it, Tibbs, is that we place so much emphasis on creating a turnover that what we're really trying to do is use the helmeted head as a, a torpedo to knock the ball out. I feel like that that's kind of part of the problem. But th- that being said, you also see just a lot of instances of targeting where you, it just looks like a hard-nosed football play. You know, they're not trying to hurt it, right? They're just trying to make the tackle. So I don't really feel like the NCAA and all of its wisdom really found a way to alleviate any of that. Although who knows, tips, who knows? Maybe in the background, there's some new guidelines for the officials 
to where they can be a little more consistent with it and we just don't know about it but this rule doesn't solve any of that is this like the the infamous video that they released that was basically a miami highlight video of them celebrating and dancing showing how not to taunt <laughs> uh, you know what i'm not even familiar with that <laughs> that sounds perfect how not to taunt yeah it, it, it went over really well some other rules that, that, are, that are coming in 2022, no more Kenny Pickett rule. So if you go to attempt to slide, you are down. So you can't fake like you're going to slide. Correct. And then not slide and run for another five yards. Or in his case, what was it, 50 yards for a touchdown that was the deciding touchdown. Yeah, or that. And now I, I do think that's an interesting rule, Tibbs. Because I, I have seen the quarterback slide weaponized in a way that really benefits the quarterback. You know, like, because we're really trying to protect the quarterback at all costs. You know, Grayson McCall is a good example of that. We, we want him to be healthy and lead the, the, the Chanticleers and be a name brand. Quarterbacks are the name brand, and we don't want them to hit hard. But we, I have seen, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bring you into this because I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I have seen several instances where the quarterback does that fake slide, the safety or whoever's trying to, linebacker's trying to tackle him, pulls up, not wanting to hurt the quarterback, not wanting to get that big penalty, and then bam, does a little juke move, another five to 10 yards. I think this is a pretty good rule. Yeah, I like it as well. And then maybe, who knows, maybe that that is enough for guys to actually pull up and not get called for targeting when the quarterback is faking a slide. Ah, not that. That's a good slant. Nice. You know what, Tibbs? That's why I like talking with you because you always bring the insight. I thought it was because the check cleared this week. And the check cleared for the first time. Yes. With all that, though, they're finally cracking down on the faking injuries, which I think is long overdue of the guy that is constantly cramping in the last two minutes of the game. He's been fine all game long, but once the two minute drill hits, Man, he is dehydrated. And how many times have we seen, like, on Sunday highlights on ESPN where the guy is perfectly normal and all of a sudden he just collapses? And we all laugh. Ah, that guy's faking injury. But it really sucks because, one, it slows down the game. The fans have to deal with this crap. Oh, shit. And secondly, it can have huge ramifications. I'll give you a, a real-life point. And... Troy fans will not be happy with me when I talk about this because this was a big game. This is a big game that happened four or five seasons ago. It was uh, Troy versus Arkansas State. And Arkansas State needed the win to win the Sun Belt outright. Great game. It was a back-and-forth affair. That guy's like uh, Jordan Chun was on that team. It was just one of these great Troy teams. And it was a back-and-forth affair. At the, Arkansas State was up at the end. I don't know, four or five points. Troy goes down the field. They have no timeouts, Dusty Thibodeau. However, they did have a mysterious spate of injuries that kept stopping the clock. God works in mysterious ways, Jeremy. Yes. And in the end, they ended up scoring at the end to win the game. Now, of course, there's a lot of people from Arkansas State were pointing to the people on the field. Oh, that guy wasn't injured. There's nothing wrong with that guy. Troy's like, no, no, that guy's seriously injured. He's really hurt. You guys should have some compassion. 
So yes, but though personally, I am happy to see some kind of crackdown on fake injuries. I don't know how you determine a fake injury. How do you say, how does a referee look at somebody and go, oh, you're not real, you're faking this. How do you enforce it? Got to sit out the drive. Ooh, okay, that makes sense. So it's not- Or, yeah. how about you just got to go man down? You mean, instead of 11 players on the field, you only get 10 for that play? That is correct. That would be a huge penalty for faking an injury. I mean, if, if you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't play. Sorry. Hey, you know, make that in basketball, too. Faking an or got injury? Well, you got to play with four guys until. Look, I've always thought it would be great to play around with basketball and add more hockey into, into things. You know, you get a personal foul. It's 30 seconds in the penalty box. You got a five-on-four fast break. How great yeah. would that be? You know, that wouldn't be bad. You know, lacrosse does the same thing. Like some plays lacrosse. And it does change the dynamic of what's going on in the field. Imagine that in football or basketball. That would be crazy. That is a real XFL idea. Speaking of which, the USFL has been going on. I haven't watched a single lick of it, so I can't comment on it. I have seen that there are some Sunbelt standouts that are in the USFL. I did see that the New Orleans Breakers, Mm -hmm. which I hate, first of all, that all the games are in Birmingham and not in the respective cities. But the New Orleans Breakers, 2-0. Not bad. Saw that my old pal, Jay Adams, former Sunbelt Player of the Year for Arkansas State. He's catching up. I forget. I suddenly forget which team he's on. Had a spate of highlights for his team this today, this afternoon. So hopefully, maybe he gets another look at the NFL. I feel like this, the, this uh, episode should be sponsored by like Ridlin or something because we're all over the place. It's springtime. What else? You know what? Here's the worst thing about spring is that it's almost over. Thibodeau, baseball is almost over. Softball, as you've mentioned, almost over. Spring football, over. What else do we have now? We are seven about seven camps to see who is going to stand out for the 2023 signing class. Sure. I guess there's, well, you, a, a citizen of, of the uh, recruiting community, a, a man from Rivals, that's probably interesting to you. But what about me, Thibodeau? I am about to go into the desert of college sports, which is summertime. There so right now in your neck of the woods in El Dorado, Arkansas, yeah. the Sunbelt Conference men's golf championship is going down that with is little rock holding a 12 stroke lead you know what uh, i the, my red wolves are supposed to be doing pretty good in that i think they're just in the middle of the pack yeah i so, see what you, they're red wolves and in the middle of the pack yeah we do that a lot just sort of comes organically i was pleasantly surprised by coastal carolina they shot plus 30 <laughs> on the first day i feel like i could actually compete for Coastal Carolina with the golf. You know what's funny about golf, too, is that you could have a good year and look like you're just going to dominate. You get into that tournament, then you just have an off, a couple off days, you're done. Now, I don't know if Coastal was any good at golf. They should be living out there near Myrtle Beach. Shouldn't they be? Uh, shouldn't that be a tremendous golf program? Probably 
worse than the Florida schools when they were in the league. But yeah, you would think that that would be the premier golfing school. Yeah. And somehow Little Rock, which I, I'll give it to you. Listen, we don't have bad golf in Arkansas. We've got great weather for golf. We've got nice golf courses. But I wouldn't expect UALR to be a, a, a premier golf school. They're showcasing that they are. Looks like they might be. Now, didn't the women already complete their tournament? I think they did, and the NCAAs have already happened. And I couldn't tell you who won the Sunbelt Women's Golf Tournament because it was early April when it occurred. But it's already done. I do know that South Alabama women won the team tennis title. Did see that? That just came out like a couple hours ago. We're always on top of things. Yeah, that's that's breaking news right there. Now, did you play tennis as a kid, Thibodeau? A little bit, but I had too much of a baseball swing. <laughs> I played tennis a lot when I was in uh, high school. Uh, I thought I was pretty good until I played an intramural competition at Arkansas State and was crushed. And then I kind of lost my interest in tennis. I took tennis classes in college at ULM. I joke that that's one of the few things that I did learn in my nine years of college was I'm an okay tennis player, but I can't serve. You know, I bet though you learned a lot in that class. I like as an amateur tennis player, I bet you were like, I kind of know how to play tennis. Then you took the class. I bet you learned some things that really improved your game. Yeah, but I probably can't share those on the podcast. (laughs) I took golf. And I thought, I kind of looked at myself as a pretty good golfer going in. So I was like, I'm just going to completely ace this class. You know, and, and it, I actually learned some really good things in the class, things that I brought to this day that I, did, I learned then. I didn't know anything about golf. It was like, it, it opened my eyes to how, how just a, a skilled instructor can bring so much to your own personal table when it comes to stuff like that. Short, sweet, pointless episode today, Jeremy. But I ask of you for a plug, promo, and parting shot. Well, uh, you can check out the comings and goings of top Arkansas State executives at howraiser.com, where we have recently lost our chancellor and our very best basketball player. And now our uh, athletic director, Tom Bowen, he has... He is leaving for, and, and I shit you not, Thibodeau, for health reasons. Is that like a innuendo for another reason why he would have left? Just, you know, it just seems like a vague reason to leave. You know, health reasons all of a sudden? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm not accusing anything or making any accusations. It just seems that it was just kind of strange. You know, he had been missing for a few months. No one knew what happened to him. And now he's like, ah, I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. But we're kind of looking at that as, all right, let's, let's see this as an opportunity. Let's find somebody who can really bring, land this plane at Arkansas State. How about you, Tibbs? Give me a plug or promo. Or parting shot. My parting shot. Ooh. Did you see... The good old Juco brawl this past week in North Texas. All right. Now, before you say, is this where the pitcher tackles the guy rounding third after the home run? That is correct. Yes, I saw that. 
as much as the pitcher is in the wrong, yes, and yeah. should not have tackled the guy. Yeah, he should. The do part that's left out uh-huh. were the expletives yelled in previous at bats from said batter to pitcher, and the expletive as he's going towards second, rounding second, that the pitcher did not like. Yeah, you know what? I find that that is probably the most in sports you know like in basketball you you, you sink a three-pointer in front of someone and you do that little finger wave in front of their face you know that's kind of a tense moment right but in baseball he had a home run off a pitcher you've got a pretty long time to be talking trash rounding those bases right so by the time he gets the third base he's probably said some pretty some pretty mean things so uh i you're right Hey, Dusty, you should never tackle an opposing player. That's just wrong. It was a good tackle, though. It was clean. It was a great it, tackle. And th- maybe? There was, there was no targeting. <laughs> it, was, it was a nice wrap-up take to the ground. It was good form. <laughs> uh, but, but he might have had that coming, Tibbs. He might have had that coming. My point is, there's always more to the story than just what the media lets mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're actually doing a little homework and, and seeing the entire picture before you're ready to just throw this kid under the bus. You know what? In the age of Twitter and Facebook and social media, we do jump to conclusions awfully quick. So I think there was some of that on an even bigger scale with uh, Haskins, the quarterback that recently died in a, uh, uh, I guess he was hit by a, by a truck. And there were some people that kind of jumped to conclusions that maybe he had died in a more nefarious way or a more irresponsible way. It was just a tragic accident. So, yes, don't jump the gun on something before you have all the facts. Make sure you're doing that too, Jeremy. I try. I, sometimes I, I fail. Have you ever failed at that, Tibbs? Have you ever jumped the gun and then, re- and then had to go back and go, I, I, I was wrong. I didn't have all the facts. Every day. <laughs> My name's Jeremy Harper with HowlRazor.com. His name is Dusty Thibodeau with Warhawk Report. Ben not here with us today, but we hope to see him soon. Uh, For me and for Tibbs, I say goodnight.